0: Hello friends, my name is Joe Irwin Bettner and this is the Eyes on Oklahoma podcast. We appreciate you for making us a part of your day. On today's episode, Austin Kurtwright of OU Daily and Tulsa World Fame joins us to talk about probably every OU fan's favorite quarterback, Baker Mayfield who was in Norman on Tuesday hosting a youth football camp. Austin Kurtwright along with other media members, were also in attendance to watch uh, a little bit of the camp and speak with Baker for a few minutes as he has been at the center of plenty of off-season NFL chatter and his future still not quite clear in the NFL, but... I think we all pretty much presume that he will have an NFL home. Just don't quite know where that will be yet as he deals with his situation in Cleveland. Austin Curtwright joins us to talk about that as well as some other OU football topics, what it's been like going from covering Lincoln Riley to covering Brent Venables. It was a fun conversation. Austin does a great job covering the Sooners in just his uh, second year, you know, on the beat. It's been, it's been terrific. OUDAily.com. daily.com should go check out the work, follow him on Twitter, and without wasting any more of your time, here is my conversation with Austin Cerny. Austin, how are you doing, man?
1: Good. How's it going? I should have OU Daily DNA. Should have thrown on the hat. I have it up here, but I went with uh, Channel Five instead.
0: That's all right. I'll, I'll rock the OU Daily hat. Uh, shout out Seth Prince. Always, uh, always, always gotta, always gotta rock the alma mater, um, like a, the, the the high school hero that I am. But Austin, you. Got to witness today a little bit of high school hero ness himself, and he admitted to it. You were in Norman today. Baker Mayfield was in Norman today. Not a coincidence that the two of you were there. He was holding his youth football camp. Austin, you were there with a a bunch of media. It seemed like from afar that, like, a pretty fun day, and also the weather in Oklahoma was really nice. Curious, just what was it like today to kind of, I know that you, you know, grew up around Oklahoma football and whatnot, and now now covering it for the OU Daily. Um, what was today like just in terms of Baker Mayfield's in this really weird space with his NFL career, and now he's back in Norman, and it feels like nothing's changed as far as the camp part of it, but uh, wh- what were the vibes like is, ma- is mostly what I'm asking.
1: Yeah. I mean, it seems like it was just pretty much typical Baker, right? Um, uh, he's going around just throwing the ball, a bunch of little kids. Obviously the media got to come out for a little portion and came up right front and center, right to where the media were standing and typical Baker way, just doing it. like, Hey, come take a picture of me thing. But, um, um, talking was good. Really. He just, he honestly seems like this chapter in his career, it seems like he's kind of been, um, invited to maybe a new perspective. So to say, obviously, um, probably not playing with Cleveland. He said as much today, just being like both sides pretty much are came to terms. We're not really going to do anything together anymore. And um, yeah, I mean, he talked about how, you know, it's pretty frustrating not being able to know where his next stop is, but he's just trying to control what he can. And honestly from his demeanor that he talked about, it, he seemed um, pretty okay with where he's at right now and just sort of trying to use this as, okay, let's, you
0: know, start chapter two. Which is, it's weird just because I think the, the city of Norman, and you could probably speak to this as well, really became a Brownstown. Like, I mean, finding a Baker Mayfield jersey was very easy to do in Norman and kind of consumed the culture. And now that he is kind of in this purgatory of sorts where he's trying to figure out what's next for him and his career. Meanwhile, you know, Deshaun Watson is, you know, waiting to hear his uh, punishment from the NFL. So really, uh, really fun and a not so fun way of uh, juxtaposing those two things of uh, happening between the Cleveland Brown quarterbacks. But it is weird just kind of seeing this guy that I think that throughout his Oklahoma career had setbacks, nothing too major, But has kind of led a pretty like a steady incline of like getting to this place where, you know, he's this walk on making his way up to number one traffic and didn't quite work out in Cleveland. I think that the way that many of us maybe thought it would just kind of based on the early success. uh, But as he kind of moves forward, it seems like he's fairly at peace with it. I mean, I think, you know, we know, you know we know how Baker kind of takes things and maybe he's grown up. Maybe like, I, I just can't imagine the first time that he plays Cleveland. I feel like that's going to be uh must watch TV, but uh, just overall though, just you, you spoke with him as well after the spring game. Uh, a lot of the media did as well. Uh, but just as he kind of goes through this process, I mean, does did you still get that kind of when I reference like kind of the, the setbacks and kind of the chip on his shoulder, you still get that sense about him that he's still kind of that guy that is kind of going into this with something to prove still has that chip on his shoulder.
1: I I think it's more of like a controlled Baker, so to say, you know, obviously it's Baker Mayfield. He's going to have the chip on his shoulder or be the guy that, you know, is chirping at people or whatever, but it seems like he's sort of holding it back a little bit. Almost it's, you know, Talking to him, he, he was like, are there hard feelings for you in Cleveland today? Um, you know, he was just like, you know, it's not the city of Cleveland's fault. I love that place. I learned a lot there, but, um, obviously I think it's, we both understand it's probably time for us to break up, I guess, but, um, it, it wasn't really. It was a good answer by Baker, to be honest. Like it wasn't something that obviously everyone goes into this thinking that Baker's going to say something because he always says something that's probably he shouldn't say, I guess. And um I think he pretty much nailed it. And I feel like he's really just focused on where he's going to go next, which is pretty, obviously it's like, wow, that's Baker Mayfield saying that, but.
0: I was going to say, the thing that really, if there was anything that was surprising, and I think we all kind of know the score here as far as just Baker's future in Cleveland, because I think there are like uh, probably a minority of fans that don't quite understand the nuance of the situation. Like, there's no way Baker can play it down for Cleveland. Like, there's just no no shot of that happening. So I was, I guess, maybe a little bit, uh, maybe not surprised, but refreshed to hear Baker just kind of squash it. Uh, just as far as just like, yeah, that's not going to happen. Um, but as he kind of goes through these, I mean, the, the or the past few months, I should say, I mean, it's just it it it's hard to get a good read on where this guy's gonna go. And especially the way that like the teams that needed quarterbacks drafted, I thought Carolina would be one of them. Uh Desmond Ritter was drafted by them. I think they got another quarterback in the draft. So uh does not look like that will happen. Pittsburgh seems like not a possibility anymore. Seattle is kind of the one for people that follow NFL rumors, and I'm re- really not one of them. But the big rumor, I guess, right now is that Seattle and Cleveland are engaged on on, on trade talks and not to, to age the crowd. Do you remember uh, Pete Carroll? and USC and its dominance because the thought of a Baker Mayfield as Oklahoma as he is getting paired up with Pete Carroll is just kind of insane to me. It would, it would honestly be like Baker playing for Mac Brown, you know, just, (laughs) I'm curious, just what, what would you think of just that, that possible pairing, if at all?
1: It's honestly, it's pretty weird. I honestly, so growing up in Norman, I just, my really only recollection of uh, Pete Carroll and USC, I was pretty young, but um I just remember I have this weird memory of him just like throwing the ball with his players like early game. I'm like, that guy is pretty old doing that. But there's like a weird, uh, <laughs> there's a, there's a weird reality where I feel like Pete Carroll and Baker like really hit it off. But then obviously they probably move on from both of them because Pete is, I'm pretty sure he's the, he's one of the top 10 oldest coaches ever in the NFL. I'm like fairly certain that's a real thing. Um, but yeah, that's pretty weird. I'm not going to lie. But if it's not Seattle, I don't, I don't know where else he
0: would be. So I was going to say just the weapons that he would have in DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett would seem to be, you know, pretty beneficial to Baker. And and this is a guy that had, you know, Odell Beckham had Jarvis Landry didn't quite work, but I I don't know. Maybe this is just a part of me that like, and I feel like sometimes like I'm too close to the situation because I covered him for three years. I wrote way too many words about Baker Mayfield, talked to too many of his family members. So like, I feel like I'm sometimes too close to it. Um, Not trying to brag about my access by no means, but I do feel like as someone that like watched it happen, just like, or has, has watched his career and, and seen it progress. Like it, it feel it, there are times where I feel like it's a little bit unfair how things have gone. And I think with Cleveland, I don't think he did himself any favors by kind of playing through his injury last year. He did make mention that there was someone that actually asked him about a shoulder, um, on Tuesday and he seemed, seemed like he's doing fine with everything.
1: Yeah. You made a joke about him being able to swing the golf club pretty hard. So that was as much as pretty typical Baker response. We got there a little, a little fun, but, um, just started thinking about the potential bromance between uh, Drew Locke and Baker. I feel like those dudes either hit it off or become best fr- or become best friends or hate each other. I feel like there's no really in between there.
0: I the, the the way I remember Baker kind of embracing a lot of the other quarterbacks was very unique. I think for the time because I think we all kind of assumed that at the college football level, like if you're not the starter, you probably hate the starter. But I think Baker did a really good job of like embracing. I just remember him and Austin Kendall getting along really well. And I don't know what that says about them, but just they got along really well. And I think that him and Kyler had a pretty good relationship, at least, you know, a kind of a, you know, public image of what we saw. I don't, you know, Say what you will. I'm not, this is not me disparaging either of those two guys, but you just, you know, you get two number one draft picks in the same room. I think it's fair to say there's going to be a little bit of, you know, like I'm sure during the 2017 se- 2017 season, Kyler Murray was probably like, I should probably be on the field a little bit more than I am. But I, I think that uh, Baker and Drew Locke could be a real stepbrother situation. And I I think that could be a real, just like they meet each other. It's kind of, I mean, it's, it's going to be a competition for, I don't think that a Baker, wherever he goes is necessarily guaranteed the starting job just because I think that the coach of whatever franchise he goes to is going to, is going to try to at least pose it as, as that, just because that's how football coaches are. But I could see him and Drew Locke getting along really well. And especially like the, If they have any shared hatred, I mean, they could just, you know, vent about Tom Herman. There's plenty of things for him and Drew Locke to talk about, I think.
1: I just, like, the thought of Baker not being a starter is so weird, knowing that so much of his personality is being, like, the face of the team or the face of the franchise, sort of like the Browns. And then I I don't know if he's still Baker, if he's a backup. Like, does he take a step back and his like demeanor and how he acts on the field. I'm not sure it would be something to see, but um, that's something I'd obviously be super interested to see if he is a backup. I would um, imagine if he goes to Seattle, he'd obviously probably end up starting, but
0: I, I, I want to make it clear. If he goes to Seattle, I, I think he will be the starter. I think that, in almost a Lincoln Riley sense, the coach will just try to fake a quarterback competition that doesn't actually exist. And, I mean, honestly, Baker went through that when he first got to the NFL with Tyrod Taylor. I think everyone kind of knew, and Tyrod Taylor is not a bad quarterback by any means, but it felt weird to take your number one draft pick and essentially try to give him a redshirt year when, you know, there's really no proof of concept with anything else that you have as the Cleveland Browns. Like, I think with you know Patrick Mahomes took took an extra year but i mean you had he had a really good mentor and i'm not saying that Tyrod Taylor wasn't but like did not have a veteran of the caliber of an Alex Smith so it would be weird to see him be a backup it would be very very strange and it, it kind of it, it really makes me think about like how different Me like my time at like the OU Daily and your time at the OU Daily so different because like for me it was just like Baker 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 and it made the job very easy. You've you've had a much different experience as far as uh, covering OU football um, than most. Baker still talks very highly uh, of Oklahoma. Kind of you know gave the pretty typical responses what what you would expect from him, but seems like Kim and Brent have a decent relationship in that that will continue like his, his presence with OU, it does not seem like he's going to stop coming to Norman, stop coming to OU games. It seems like he's going to be very involved.
1: Yeah. I mean, BV is pretty clearly put a um, definite emphasis on connecting with alums and former players and um, Baker's recency is pretty much a top that list there with Kyler and some of the other guys, but, um, just by what he did at the spring game, Brent um, bringing in everyone and Baker sort of being in the forefront of that. Obviously um, Baker brought up getting to talk with the team before the spring game. And so they met, they said they talked for about 30 minutes and didn't talk about anything other than just really live, which is honestly been Brent's biggest thing, I guess, just building his team that he wants um, since he's taken the job. So um, those two definitely hit it off. It's, Definitely a little bit different, obviously, knowing how close Baker and Lincoln were, but um, it seems like Baker's kind of a a program guy, not necessarily just a Lincoln guy.
0: I mean, that was always going to be the thing that I I imagined was going to be telling about the relationships of some of the Lincoln-Riley era quarterbacks. I never thought that Baker Mayfield would necessarily back off of his loyalty because he grew up a fan, but... You always kind of wonder if a guy like Kyler Murray, who transferred in, played only one season, like if he's you know, going to be super involved. And he seems like he I mean, of all the guys, like he seems as supportive as any of the alums, just like pumping up the program and being there. He was there for Baker. I would imagine Baker will be there next year for Kyler Murray's statue reveal if that is the timeline that I, I imagine that like someone at ou probably got like <laughs> uh it was probably not a super big fan of baker just like putting that out there but um it it, it does feel like you know ba- baker statues took so much time I, I would it would be cool to see again like a year later to like have all of the the kyler content because following the baker stuff especially in like kind of the lo- in lo- or you know in the aftermath of Lincoln Riley's departure, Brent Venable's coming just a lot of things, a lot of chaos. Like that was just kind of like, it felt normal, I guess, to an extent, because this, I I'm sure as you've kind of dealt with and writing about stuff that, I mean, like just the fatigue around the, the, the coaching change is just, I mean, I reached it at all time high. I feel like back in like, December, like it, it got old really quick, but mm-hmm. it's cooled down, cooled down for the most part. Um, one to kind of just, I mean, don't want to go too in depth, but as you kind of look, look ahead to this next season, vibes are vibes are good with OU football. I think that Brent Benables has done a good job. I know that you've kind of um, outlined a lot of the, just kind of the changes that have gone on with the program and kind of making it into What could possibly be uh, a really good team by the time they get to the SEC? Or or when I say that, just a a program that's built for the SEC whenever that comes. But as you kind of look at 2022, do you have any just expectations for what's to come? Or do you kind of, after a year you had last year, it's just might be best just to not assume anything.
1: (laughs) Probably just best to not assume anything. But I mean, I think you can assume for the most part that this is just going to be that like building year for just to see what's different. Obviously so many things are different. If you just look at recruiting, obviously Brent's taking that a lot, much more different repro- approach than Lincoln was. Um, I think there's only three stars and one five star in this next class, 2023 class, but it's a little off topic, but um, obviously it just is kind of weird to see you talk about Dylan Gabriel taking all of his buddies out to wherever that was. Um, little retreat that they did, but it's just, yeah, like you said, the vibes are, vibes are pretty good um, from what I can tell. Um, so I, I mean, it's going to be hard to ever choose OU to not have success. I imagine that they're going to have plenty of success with Brent and success this season, even though with the roster turnover um, they brought in a few guys that are going to contribute, obviously Dylan Gabriel and um, just, They're pretty much almost a whole new defense except for a few returners. But um, I I would imagine so that it's just as almost the same as last year. Honestly, I mean, two losses, I feel like is probably a pretty good number for them.
0: I was going to say, if if there's a way that I kind of look at this season, and I'm curious what you kind of think about like them being the front runners for the Big 12 title, but it almost feels like in a way that last year's results and and like the margin of victories that they had, I feel like that could be a very similar story in 2022. OU winning close games because I think, for the most part, even with the coaching change, even with the guys that they lose, OU still has a talent advantage over a lot of teams and should be favored probably in every game. And I think that for right now, I want to say that they came out as an early favorite against Texas, but I could be wrong on that, but I think they are going to be essentially favored in every game this season could see it being close, just kind of like it was last year. But the thing about last year was just, we all kind of thought that they were going to blow the doors off of a few teams, you know, have a few close games, but it never felt like they really, other than TCU, I think was they, I think they, even then they, they still kind of let up some late, but I mean, I could see this being kind of a stressful stressful season for Oklahoma, but should still kind of be the class of the Big 12, still be the team that makes it to Arlington. Is that your read on the situation?
1: Yeah, I would say so. Obviously, the Baylors, I feel like that pencil in game, um, they return a lot, like Shapin, starter there. Um, you know, I'm interested to see how Jeff Levy's offense fares um against Baylor. Obviously Dave Aranda had a lot of success against Lincoln Riley. And that was sort of almost his kryptonite um to say. Um so yeah, I think um I'm with you on that one. Um it'll be very interesting to see OU Texas just given the amount of transfers for both teams, it seems like not quite as many there's gonna be a lot of new faces making a lot of or playing a lot of snaps for OU. And I wonder how Brent goes about sort of telling them like you know, this is a big rival or teaching them the history about that. Cause I remember that being a thing that Lincoln did last year is sort of giving almost like a history lesson on what that series is. And like Dylan Gabriel is going to go into the cotton bowl after coming from, you know, Florida and the East coast and probably being very overwhelmed with that whole um, process and that whole event. Cause Obviously, I think the spring game was probably the biggest crowd he's ever played in. Am I wrong? I mean, had to have been close. I don't. I'm not necessarily sure what road games he played, but what was it? Seventy six thousand was an official or official number. Um, that has to be close. That definitely seats more than what UCF has, I'd imagine. That's
0: that's really nuts to think about that being the biggest crowd that he's ever experienced. Yeah, I, I do need to. I need an intern, by the way. I need, I need to. I'm going to start just you know, taking from the OU daily, I think is what's going to happen next. UCF, this is great podcasting, by the way, UCF football stadium capacity is 45,000. That is uh, not that big. Um,
1: yeah. So a third or 33%, I
0: guess. I, uh, say, not a math I, I don't, <laughs> I hope it just, especially like, I feel like the, um, the way that we talk about OU Texas and the cotton bowl can be a little bit misleading. And I don't know if you meant this and you might've, you tell me if you're just like, no, that's a hundred percent what I meant. But like when, oh. when you walk into the cotton bowl, I don't, I don't care who you are. It's an overwhelming experience no, because 100%. It is, it's so different than anything The I mean, there are a bit there are big football games that I think are on par with OU Texas, but it's just so different when you walk into that stadium, still have the the faint smell of corny dogs and wax beer cups in your in your nostrils, and you kind of look at that sea of burn orange and crimson on each side. It's just it's I, and I've I've been to a lot of football games with people that it's like their first time going to a football game. And they're kind of enamored by the fact that, especially mostly in Norman, but like they're just like. I've never seen so much red before, but like when you go to OU Texas, (laughs) it's, it's jarring to see the kind of coordination that goes on between both fan bases to make that pageantry come alive on a yearly basis. But I imagine that will be a very big welcome to big time college football moment. If OU Nebraska is not already that moment for Dylan Gabriel, but uh, Austin want to, I don't want to, Take up too much of your time, but you uh, you've done a great job covering OU football and you know getting getting your uh, you know feet wet with you know last season and Lincoln Riley and whatnot. Now, kind of in the Brett Vanables area, I, I, I did want to ask one thing, and it's just because I, the way that Lincoln Riley operated, and you kind of mentioned the the history lesson you would give the team, like uh, before you Texas, and just kind of the overall way he operated was very uh, was very unique. I think in terms of just kind of being a very uh, trying to almost be the CEO of OU football. And now you're kind of seeing Brent Benables bring in people to kind of be the CEO for him, you know, kind of take care of the things that he doesn't need to delegate. Just as far as just kind of the media access and talking with Brent Benables, I mean, wh- how can, can you can <laughs> I'm not trying to sound like a college course, but could you compare and contrast just how different <laughs> things are between Brent Benables covering him as they were, you know, compared to Lincoln Riley?
1: No, it's, um, totally different, not just from Brent, not being quite as good with, um, Twitter and, uh, the electronic space. I think about, we had one of his first, uh, press conferences. It was, it was for signing day. It was over zoom and couldn't figure out how to unmute his phone. That was, um, that was a nice little start, but was this no, the just makeup from, zoom? no this was the first zoom, the okay. makeup zoom. Yeah, it, it worked, but it was, it was, it was, uh. Yeah, it was that. Um, but no, I mean, he just, he he really pours out. It seems like from what I can tell is really pours everything he has into pretty much everything that he does. He's not the kind of guy to really, you know, he doesn't care about if you're a reporter, he doesn't, I don't really think he cares what your job is. I think just the kind of guy that Brent is, is he is going to give, you know, you the time of day, I would say, obviously, um, I want to say every press conference we've had with him went over an hour. It was only scheduled for 20 or 30 minutes. It's just, he's going to keep going until he gets everything out he wants. And obviously, I think there was one time he responded to someone's question. It was like 11-minute answer. And he's like, did that answer your question? So like he's really just, um, obviously, he talks about relationships and holistically developing the program. And I think he's also starting that with the media. Um We didn't really have a very... Personal relationship with Lincoln. He wasn't ever the kind of guy to stick around and maybe chit chat or whatever. Um, and Brent's kind of done that. Um, just getting to meet everyone. I remember the first time I met him at his introductory press conference, he came up and shook all of our hands. He's like, What's up, guys? What's your names? What do you guys do? And so it's just a lot different. Obviously, the access. Um, I think we're back in person, which is nice. And, um, yeah, I think that he, I guess, not, I don't want to say the word respect because I think Lincoln Riley respects the media to the extent, but, um, he's a lot more personable. It's not so much calculated as to what he wants to say.
0: Now, did Brent know your celebrity as far as, you know, <laughs> we, we, we all know what you, know, what you <laughs> he, were um, with last season. Um, actually this
1: is a funny story, but, um, Brent gets off the podium, me, me and Mason, we go up and shake his hand, introduce ourselves. He's like, will you get the guys up in the uh, with the binoculars? And it, uh, I was like, yeah. And he was like, oh, I'm going to have to put a sniper up there and stop you guys. Don't do that with my program. And then he laughed it off. He's like, no, I'm just kidding. But yeah, but don't do that. But you could and kind of so, feel that he
0: was a little serious.
1: <laughs> he was like, haha, this is my first day. This is funny. But for real, don't do that. But, but um, really, please never do that. Hey, he gave us a few open practices in the spring. So maybe, uh, maybe that was his, um, maybe that was his route that he chose to do it.
0: His, uh, his, his token. I mean, that's how they, that's how it starts, man. They butter you up, you know, they give you, give you full access. But no, I don't, I don't, I don't mean, mean to say this in a disparaging way. And I don't think that Brent Benables will be a bad coach for Oklahoma. I think it works this program. Will be still a Big 12 championship contender. And when they get to the SEC, we'll see. I'm interested to see if OU does have a disappointing season, how that how he navigates that. And I would imagine probably brings a lot of positivity, especially if it's year one and it's maybe a disappointing year compared to expectations. But I will be interested to see how he rolls with the punches because I would imagine that he went to a masterclass of rolling with the punches with Davos Sweeney because that guy gets slandered on Twitter every day. And I'm, I'm one of them that literally will roast Davos Sweeney every day. But I mean, I I'm curious to see how he handles that uh, in terms of just, and it's been great to see him be be so good with the media and, you know, be great with the, with the fans. I, most of my exposure has kind of come from seeing him around other sports and covering OU softball as closely as I did. He was at a lot of the games would stick around. He would, that was the crazy thing about Brent was he would throw out the first pitch. um, He threw out the first pitch at, I think it was the Saturday bedlam game uh, in the regular season and he stuck around the entire time. He was pacing around. He was he looked genuinely just like like this game hinged on a lot of, you know, just the, the the whole world hinged on this game. Like that's just his demeanor. And I I remember that you made mention of the fact that like he's he's taking time to kind of get to know you all and like to uh you know be be around the media, you know, be as open as possible. Um and I don't know why this made me think of it, but there was this like little girl that was like trying to like get a photo with him. Um like, and Brent was just like very adamant about like, just like, you know, like he was just like, yeah, like for a hundred percent, I'll do it. And like, at one point, like they got distracted because Brent talked so much. Um, <laughs> and like, I think that the little girl thought the photo was taken. So she like went back to her mother. Um, and, and Brent was like, no, we, we haven't taken the photo yet. And like, I think, I don't know, like me personally, like, I probably would have been like, all right, I'll, I'll all right, see you later. <laughs> uh, but he was just like, no, like, like let, let's, let's get this photo and like, uh, like set her name a thousand times. You always know, like, just like, keep like, is just very good within the community, I think. And we will see how things go uh, with this football season. And uh, if, if Oklahoma can kind of live up to, um, you know, whatever expectations you might have for them. But Austin looking forward to senior coverage. Are, 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 you kind of, I know you're interning with the Tulsa world this summer. Has it been a kind of a nice, I don't know, break if, I don't even know if that's the right word to describe it, but just like, it feels like we're kind of in a, in a cool period as far as just like sports news.
1: No. Yeah. It's um, it's always stopping. It's just hard. It's nice to have a little break, but also, I think I went like a week without writing a story and I just was like, I got the itch again. I was just like, okay, I need to probably be working on something, but um, I'm looking forward to it. Obviously senior year going in with Mason, um, who we became became, um, he's became one of my best friends. Um, we came in freshman year together. Um, Mason and I are both the sports editors for the daily, but um, if you weren't aware, but I'm looking forward to it, obviously getting a year under my belt. I feel like I'm a little more experienced going into it. But it's definitely a nice break. Um, It's so crazy to think that I'm a senior going into basically what's my last semester of reporting um, before I venture out to the world because, you know, football ends in the spring. So um, it'll be interesting. It's definitely going to be an interesting season with all the changes. Um, Not a whole lot of, uh, uh, it's not very linear from last year, that's for sure. But I'm excited for it. That's and that team. Lincoln trip and the West Virginia. It's the West Virginia, the travel year, so.
0: Well, man, um, it's been fun to follow you and kind of see like how you're, I mean, I feel like the rookie season uh, went off, went off really well. I feel like the bar is really high. If you don't get another college game day mention, I'm going to be a little bit disappointed. So you're going to have to I'm figure try out it. how to creatively do that. I don't know how to <laughs> do it, but we're we're all, all the OU Daily alums are, are waiting for, 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 for you guys to kind of one up yourselves in a way. But no, it's it's been fun to see you guys and, you know, Mason Young, uh, you know, you guys do a great job covering OU and the the whole, you know, department. I'm glad that <laughs> you going a week without writing a story and you're ready to get back to the grind. I, I see that Seth Prince <laughs> is, uh has really coached you up that does it for today's episode of eyes on oklahoma we appreciate austin kurt wright for coming on and discussing some baker mayfield and ou football topics we hope you guys enjoyed it as well if you are a fan of the podcast we would greatly appreciate it if you left us a five-star rating and review on the apple podcast app as we are available on all major podcast platforms apple spotify google tune in you name it and if they're not there yet let me know and i will make sure that it shows up in that podcast feed so with that said eyes oklahoma.com is where you can find all the latest on oklahoma athletics make sure you're subscribed to that newsletter delivering free newsletters every monday and friday it takes about five minutes to read it's a good way to start off your morning